Ladies and gentlemen, I've got a frog in my throat, and this is Glowing Weak Point. I am your host, John, and with me is... Wombat? I was going to say Ronaldo, but you kept trying to interrupt me. Yes, I have a frog in my throat. You have a frog in your throat. <clears throat> yes. I mean, you, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's just, you caught me off guard with you have a frog in your throat. <laughs> You've never heard that? No, I've never heard that one. It is uh, globus pharyngeus. The sensation of having a lump or something stuck in the throat. Huh. Uh... Specifically, I'm, it's it just means that you're having trouble speaking due to anything wrong with the throat, from hoarseness, phlegm, coughing, soreness. Oh. I have all of it. Oh, are you not well? Uh, started yesterday, I've got a bit of a cough that developed into me coughing enough that I have throat soreness. That's unfortunate have you uh gotten the test yet i have not gotten the test because um as we will soon learn uh i don't have time anymore oh i uh i went from my my nice wonderful part-time job of only working one day a week at my side job and being able to devote the rest of my time to worthier ventures to now because they need help and i actually like this manager as a person and she treats me with respect i uh am willing to do more for her when she's in a pinch right she's in a pinch so i now work four days a week that's Mm. significantly more yes it is four times as much yeah and while while the three additional days are not full days, they're half days. It's just four nights in a row that I just don't have anymore. And because I don't have the nights, that means that, like, the day is ruined. So. Right. Because <clears throat> what is a day but the night? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry so, uh, to hear that. Uh, do you have a, a glowing weak point for us? <laughs> Uh, I'll go with the easy one. Um, Hector got his his uh, his balls ripped out and his eyelid put back in it in its spot, and it only cost three hundred dollars more than we expected. Okay, <clears throat> but yeah, only he's he's done now. <laughs> yep. Now, just for the next two weeks, he can't run or jump or have fun, and he has to have a cone on his head, and we've got to, like, shove cream in his eyeball and pills down his throat to force him to swallow them because they're non-chewables. Man, he's got a time Uh, ahead of him. Yeah. (laughs) He's not a fan of the cone. Yeah, no no dog is. Uh, No. Even if Uh, they don't normally, like, touch their face or anything, once they get a cone on them, they're immediately like, man, I wish I could touch my face. (laughs) Yeah, he's a a big fan of of head scritches (laughs) right now. (laughs) Um, 
Interestingly enough, Loot actually dislikes the cone more than Hector does. The the fact that the She's, cone is on Hector? Yes. She <laughs> is very upset about it in a mildly aggressive scared way oh it's like, like she's, she's afraid of the cone like the cone is Correct. going to do something to her yes <laughs> and hector's over here just wanting sympathy but all he gets is is growls Growl. yeah damn loot poor boy savage <laughs> What about you? What's what's the glowing point of your week? Um, I have two. I have one with a one with a caveat and one without. Um, okay. What what's the caveat? Okay. One? So the I I think I mentioned last week that I had finally like managed to apply for college. Um, yeah. And I got the acceptance letter. Nice. Yeah, I'm in. Um. Congrats. The caveat is that something went wrong, I guess, in my application, because the uh, the thing I'm applying for is computer information systems, right? Yeah. And specifically, I wanted to get a Bachelor of Science in that. Ah. Um, uh. But the school, I guess, automatically defaults it, because this one has a double, like, program kind of thing. It automatically yeah. defaults you to the uh, Bachelor of Business Management. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you, you definitely want to BS. Yeah, so I'm going to have to talk to them about switching it to the science one. Yeah. Um, the one without a caveat is that <clears throat> last night my family went down to our friend's house and we had like a little get together. And okay. I met another one of our friend's uh, girlfriend for the first time. And it turns out that she was also a Mormon. <gasps> and it's the first time in my adult <clears throat> life I've met another ex-Mormon. And so we had a lot to talk about. <laughs> oh, see, I didn't know that you were previously mormon i knew that you were previously religious oh yeah uh, less so for from when i was 14 to 18 <clears throat> i was a member of the church of latter-day saints yeah the church of lsd yeah uh and when i turn when i i mean really a couple of years into it i started to realize all the really weird parts of it because initially like, uh -huh. like what got me into it was just the it, it, they don't have, like, a fire and brimstone kind of god, which is what I had grown up with my entire life. And I was like, wow, this god sucks. And, and <laughs> so theirs looked better, you know? But then you spend a couple of years in the church and you, you read the actual Book of Mormon and you realize, <clears throat> whoa, they're racist. <laughs> yeah, Here, here's what I have to say about uh, the Book of Mormon. It's some really good fiction. <laughs> it's it's perfect fan like, fiction. It, 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 no, it's like if you take it, uh, there's one of my uh, at one point favorite authors was Orson Scott Card. Uh-huh. Uh, you're probably best known for, for Ender's Game. Yeah. yeah. Which I still believe is a is a very good series. Because it is more than just the one book. It's like 
at this point, if you count all the sub-series, it's probably like 20 books. Right. I'd have to go over to my shelf and count them because I have them all. Um, but uh, he's also very, very Mormon. Like, he's super-duper Mormon. Right. And one of his series that he did, uh, not connected to Ender's Game, is the, like, Earthfall cycle. It's a five-book series that, um, my understanding of it is it is a sci-fi reimagining of the Book of Mormon. (laughs) And, and it's, he didn't do it as, like, a sacrilegious thing to him. It was, like, a, uh, I guess, like, try to get other people to see what they see in the church. I, I don't, I don't fully understand it. Right. But I've read it. And, dang, it's, it's some quality fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, a. But it's. It's not something that I, like, finish, I'm like, wow, if this was in our world, I'd believe it. <laughs> it's like, wow, that was a really good episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you never come away with Doctor Who and are like, oh, man, I could see that being true. Right. Like, like Star Trek. Star Trek, you could come away with most of the episodes and be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, I could, I could see that being the way that went down that might be in our future um, <laughs> yeah or, or even like when they go to the past and and they're like here's this pivotal moment in history but like you didn't know that these other people were working on the side of it right and, and like yeah okay i can i can see that that's that's legit <laughs> let's let's jump in no, yeah, let's just jump into what games we played. I was gonna, I was thinking about asking you a question, but I want to just move on. Okay, you can do that. So, I have more games, so I'm gonna talk about them first. But I'm gonna let you pick which one I'm gonna talk about first. Ooh, I mean, we have to go with the one I actually like on this list: uh, Link's Awakening. Uh, Link's Awakening is a really good game, and of course, this is the original Game Boy version. Oh, it's not um, the Game Boy DX version? No, it is not. Uh, I have actually never... I've never played that one. I have watched someone play it over their shoulder, hungrily, desirous of it, but um, at that moment, I did not have a Game Boy Color, and then when I did, my parents were like, oh, you've already got Link's Awakening, because your brother had it for the Game Boy. I see. Okay. I've only played the this, DX version. But this one's in color, and it adds, like, two things. <laughs> um, One of those yeah, two links, things links, is the color. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that the two things are, there's the camera little minigame thing. Oh, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. That's that's pretty much how I felt, and then there's also a color dungeon. Yeah, like it adds it adds another dungeon. Yeah, which I feel is is enough to to make it and a remastered version of the game. Um, I guess. it's different. Um, but yeah, I I mostly meant the 
Game Boy version to differentiate it from the most recent Switch re-release of it. Yeah. Um, which apparently also adds things, because I was talking to my brother the other day about this and, and mentioned that I had played this, and he was saying he keeps getting, like, alerts. Oh, yeah, it on, has that like, bare-bones um, dungeon creator system. Yeah, he, he got alerts, like, he, he doesn't have a Switch or anything, but he keeps getting, like, Google alerts that are like, hey, do you know about Link's Awakening? And uh, here's some news about it. And my brother's like, why is there news about this? And then he, he reads part of an article and is like, this doesn't sound like Link's Awakening. I've beaten Link's Awakening multiple times, and this doesn't sound like it. <laughs> but... But yeah, what is, uh, what's I, it like? Oh, it's a fantastic little game. It's very similar to A Link to the Past, um, but it's not as good a game. Disagree. I hate Link to the Past. Oh, no. A Link to the Past is a way better game uh, because the thing that Link's Awakening does that differentiates it is, uh, I'd say, two things that to like significantly differentiate itself. Uh, one, it just has sections where you just kind of wander before you can get to the next thing. Right. Like, A Link to the Past, you can always enter, like, three different dungeons, and you're not really limited in your ability to do that. Uh, it might be a little bit of a puzzle to get there, but you're not just wandering, wondering what to do. Which, literally every time I've played Link's Awakening... I've ended up doing at multiple points. Huh. Uh, and the second thing it does, which is a detriment to the franchise as a whole. Uh-oh. Is it starts the stupid trading mini games. The like <laughs> the bullshit gr- it it inserts the bullshit grinding into the legend of zelda do you mean like because before you have to trade this thing for this thing but this other person (laughs) wants this thing to give you this thing and so yes the the trading mini game where you start with one item and after trading it and whatever you get from that person like eight times to different people around the world that you haven't met yet usually finally you can get a thing that's halfway useful to yourself yeah like, uh, um, RuneScape has a quest like that called One Small Favor, where it has, like, 16 steps, and then it has a smaller one in just, like, one little town, because the other one is globe-trotting. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. And, again, Legend of Zelda did not have this before Link's Awakening, and now it's in just every about every one. game has it, yeah. yeah. No, I, I get that. It is. it is... It is not the the quality part of the Legend of Zelda, <laughs> but still, honestly, Link's Awakening is is still a, a pretty strong game. Yeah, I honestly, I would probably pick it up over Ocarina of Time. I would too, but I'm not a huge fan of Ocarina of Time. I I like I like the game. It's a good game. I don't think it's as good a game as everyone says. I think the majority consensus on it at this point is that if you're going to play it today, you should play it on the DS, the 3DS. Yeah. 
because it like it, it cuts down like the Hyrule field by half. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is a lot of just you're on Epona and you're in the field, and uh, two minutes later you're on Epona and you're on the field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want right. to talk about another one? <clears throat> oh sure. Yeah. Uh, which one? Uh, I imagine you don't have much to say about Star Wars for the Game Boy. Correct. Star Wars for the Game Boy is a trash game that is trash and it is awful. So is and this like a, nobody should ever play it? Is this like Super Star Wars? Uh, n- no. It's its own thing. Huh. It's I saw it there and I was like, oh, that's probably just a port of the soup of Super Star Wars on the Game Boy. Nope. Nope, Super Star Wars is a better game. That's saying something, because it's impossible. It is. <laughs> I, yeah, I was never good at Super Star Wars. Uh, Super Star Wars at least... Uh, Super Star Wars is one of those weird games where it's got incredibly tight controls, but... It's designed by someone who doesn't understand how to place things in a way that those tight controls feel good. Right. Um, it's it's not like Mega Man where it's got incredibly tight controls and things make sense for you to be able to shoot them and jump at them and stuff. Uh, it's it's like things are at weird angles where you have to like jump half jump and shoot or like crouch jump and like you got to do some real bad maneuvers in order to damage things it's the game of oh why did that hit me yeah (laughs) um but like it's got really tight controls so if you get good at it you can do a really good job like my my brother really likes Super Star Wars and and the uh, the other Super Nintendo Star Wars games, Super Return of the Jedi, Super Empire Strikes Back, right? Which I never did, but he played a whole lot more of them than I did. Um, but uh, Star Wars Game Boy uh-huh. is. A mess. Tell me it's so, like a lightsaber uh, simulator or some shit. <laughs> no, no, it's it's still a platformer, although it's got a... You, you start out on Tatooine, and that is the amount that we have gotten through, and that's the entire amount we will get through. Um, you start out on Tatooine, you start out in a cave. You can leave the cave if you want to, in which case it puts you in a land speeder and a top-down thing where you just wander until you find another cave because there's just there's just caves. a fuckload of there yeah there's just caves so uh, like then you go into a cave for its caves yeah <laughs> then you go into a cave and then you can like platform through things and there's like bullshit boulders that fall on you and bullshit enemies that take like a billion shoot shots to kill uh, I was I was playing this with a um, uh, a friend of mine who grew up with it. 
Right. They had this game. This was one of the first Game Boy games they had, and they put hours into it. And they m- might have gotten to when you when you die, it tells you like what percentage of the world or of the game you've completed. Uh, the max they can remember getting through was fifteen percent, and that's a maybe. And with fifteen percent of the game completed, they had recaptured R two D two. Uh. Wait, what? What? They ha- like you know how R two is is like captured by the Tuscan Raiders. Oh yeah, uh, that's a very minor plot point in the first movie. Yes, no, <laughs> he has never left Tatooine. This is a game he grew up with and dumped hours into, and never got beyond Tatooine. And on yeah. Tatooine. <laughs> yeah. I got to maybe 8% and was like, I'm never gonna fucking play this again. Listen, listen. Um, the fact... Star Wars video games make A New Hope look better than it actually is. Because <laughs> I'm just... I'm sitting here thinking like 15% and you're still on Tatooine. I'm like, you get 15% of the way through the movie and you're not on Tatooine yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes of the fucking spaceship and c-3po and r2d2 just fucking bullshitting yeah <laughs> pretty much pretty much uh but yeah no don't don't play star wars game boy it's a bad game okay T- tell me how you're going through uh dreamscaper all right um i am i am two runs away from hitting the true ending two uh, like one one has to be successful. The second has to be successful. But okay, all I need to do is get one character to uh, the eighth level of friendship, and then I can get the true ending. If I, once I beat the boss like one more time, okay. I mean, apparently okay. it involves fighting a di- a separate <clears throat> stage of the boss, so I'll have to I'll have to actually win that also. Ah, yeah. But but I'm almost there. Like, I, I am at the cusp. I have enough materials. It's just you can only have, like, one, um, li- like, friendship rank up conversation with with uh, that character once, like, after a run. Okay. Like, it, they won't talk to you anymore after that. <clears throat> gotcha. Yeah. But I have enough right, to so- make stuff to give to him and, and get him to the last rank. And then, and then I'll see if I can beat it. So pretty soon you'll be done with Dreamscaper until they release their next uh, <laughs> update. Oh no, um, they've actually said that it's pretty much considered like completed to them, so they're already working on their next thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, the the second update is was them saying like this is our ideal version of the game. A- anything else will be cool. really minor. Yeah. Um, tell me what's happening in Destiny. Okay, so, um, it's the end of the holiday event, and I have a lot still to do. Yeah? (laughs) To get all the pages of, alright, so, the thing this, with this event is, you, you do random activities and they give you 
spectral pages. Right. Um, and then you get to do the festival activity, which is a haunted lost sector, and in it you have the chance of getting up to 15 of your spectral pages converted into manifested pages. And then you need a fuckload of those to unlock um, lore books. So this is all for lore? Yes. <laughs> God, yes. I wish they would just tell you the story of their game. <laughs> um... It's, it's, it's like a, it's little ghost stories is what it is. So, I mean, it's, it's not required lore, but I get score, like I get a triumph score for collecting them all. And I need to just, I need to grind a bunch out. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately it changes tomorrow. It, it ends tomorrow and I'm working tonight. So... Uh, good luck tomorrow. Yeah, well, by it ends tomorrow, I mean it ends at noon tomorrow. Oh. So. Uh, good luck with the couple of hours you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll probably be doing it tonight and not getting a whole lot of sleep again. Um... But in other news, we we did a bunch of raiding last week. We got two other members of the clan, the gun that I have that I I feel guilty about having, even though it's RNG. Um, played the worst uh, Grandmaster Strike. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. Is it not easy to uh, cheese? Well, this is a strike that even on regular fails because people don't use the like mini mechanic that's in there. Right. Uh, and also the boss is just a bitch and it's just not fun to the point where this is one of the, the like two or three strikes that people will load in to the strike and then immediately quit to orbit. <laughs> Because it's just, it's just not fun. They're like, that's not the one I wanted. <laughs> there's, there's a mini boss section halfway through that's actually, well, actually, I'd say there's, there's two segments that are really freaking hard, uh, especially on Grandmaster. So one of them is you, uh, get to a section where you are on a small elevated or elevating platform. And you have to defeat all the enemies on the elevator while getting down to the bottom. And there's mini bosses, and they've got the special mechanic shield on them that you've got to use a fancy thing to de-shield. And there's a bunch of tiny little bullshit mi minions that you have to kill. Right. And on Grandmaster, they can all kill you um, pretty quickly. So you're in an enclosed area with no cover... And you just gotta nuke them all instantly. <laughs> or or twice. Shit goes, gets real bad. Yeah, but it's twice. <laughs> um, and if you like with the minions, these are these are really bogus minions because they're 
they're taken scions, so if you don't kill them fast enough, they split, and you have twice as many of them. Ah, they're like the annoying the what- fiend enemies in like the early Final Fantasy games. Yeah, except for the ones that split off. Uh, the original ones keep their health. The new ones have full health. It doesn't even, like, have their health and split them between them. Oh. And the ones that have split off, yeah, they can also split. That, ooh. See, th- th- that's fine. It's just the HP thing, like, giving them full health. <laughs> yeah. Not half health, yeah. not half of whatever the other's current health was, like... Nope. It's like, here you go. A whole new enemy that you have no advantage with. And then the second thing is you reach a the, the mini-boss, which is actually two giant ogres uh, that shoot you with their I-beams. Uh, and there's a ton of enemies in there. And every 12 seconds, uh, you get sucked from one world to another. There's, like, a mirror world of it, Shadow World version. And one big ogre is in one of them, and the other big ogre is in the other one. And you just you just keep getting swapped between the two of them. And there's tons of ads in both. And those ogres have a lot of health. Um, and there's, like, four champions that you have to deal with <laughs> while you're doing that. They said fuck you. Yeah. Uh, but then we got to the boss, and the boss was super easy so normally you have to like charge up this relic throw it at her to de-shield her meanwhile there's all those splitting ads everywhere and giant knights that shoot fire at you um so once you de-shield her you have like a little bit of time to do some damage and then her shield comes back and then you do it again and you have a little bit of time to deal some damage and then her shield comes back and she disappears into another realm and then you have to go fight your way through the other realm to the end of it where there's a platform with zero cover swarmed with these mini enemies and she's still shielded and you've got two more chances to deal de-shield her and do damage um meanwhile she's flitting about like a just obnoxious gnat or you can do what we did which was we dropped her shield or we killed all the ads Uh we dropped her shield once and then we killed her (laughs) uh we you used something we used every single possible damage buff like right then like right then and used like some super high damage dealing weapons that were not helpful any of the way through the um <laughs> the the strike like it was there it's a useless weapon that's you know keeping your hands tied just so that when you get to the boss fight you don't have to do it damn um yeah you you actually hate the strike you actively crippled yourself for the rest of the fight and, and just to have an easier time with the boss just so i don't have to deal with her yeah that's that's when you know you've designed a bad a bad yeah mission <laughs> uh-huh so that's my destiny 2 roundup okay tell me about smelter okay um smelter 
Uh, I played two hours of it yesterday. Um, Smelter is a game wherein, you know, Adam and Eve, the 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 people from the Bible, they're they're kind of famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're, they're hanging out in the Garden of Eden, you know, and and then Adam like sees a, an apple fall from a tree. He goes and eats the apple, and then lightning yeah. strikes in the distance, and Adam disappears, and Eve is falling through darkness until okay. she she sees a whole bunch of green, and she lands inside a cave, and when she's inside the cave, she like the cave starts to collapse on her. And as she's escaping, she finds uh, a green entity that calls itself Smelter. Um, And it fuses... No, it doesn't really fuse to her. She wears him like clothes. Okay. Uh, (laughs) uh, But he's a sentient entity. Um, Eve herself is like a silent protagonist. Um, So Smelter, Smelter does all the talking. Um, and Smelter's also pretty clearly evil, but he's the one who's helping us find Adam. So I guess we're we're chilling with him as he pretends at the barest level to not be evil. Uh, okay. And I kind of thought once we were in the cave, like I'd read this as a platformer, and I was like, well, I didn't see the Metroidvania tag anywhere. Is this a Metroidvania? Because it's it felt like a the the cave at the start of Metroid was the vibe yeah. I got. But no, it's it's not Metroidvania in any way. It's a it's a stage select platformer essentially, except that in order to select new stages, you have to play through a strategy overworld section of the game. Oh. Yeah, so so the the game is like it's two different games. It's you you enter a stage and now you're in a platforming section with like some minor collectibles and stuff. Uh or you're on the overworld doing Warcraft-esque strategy. Gross. Yeah. Um I mean Get- <laughs> the platforming is pretty fun. I could live without the strategy. Um, that, that's, that's where I stand with it. Uh, the, the platforming is really fun. It's, it feels really good. Uh, it's one at a level that I can handle. So that's saying something. Um, (laughs) you have like the, there's three different realms in the game and each realm has its own element. And like when you first enter a new realm, like your previous elements won't be accessible in the stage that you're going into so each realm is like starting over new but each one yeah e- each element does have like its own like merits and demerits like the there's an earth element that you get near the start and it, it allows you to like turn smelter to stone and like that blocks a projectile and you can upgrade it to deflect it but then you get to the okay. uh, the second realm and it's equivalent to that is uh a teleport that allows you to like instantly dodge an attack. Ooh. Yeah. <clears throat> like either backwards or forwards. You can blink a, a short distance so that it just doesn't touch you. Okay. Yeah. But in, in that's nice. You don't have a block in, in, in exchange. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's I, I like it okay. I I'll be playing more. Do you like it okay? Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, tell me about Super Mario Land 2. Six golden coins. Uh, I love it. It's a great game. Yeah? It's, it's one of the games I grew up with, and it's just such a good little Mario game. This is the one that um, introduces Wario, right? Correct. And, and actually, I, I was, this, going back to talking to my brother, um, uh, Apparently, I need to play Super Mario Land 3 as well, because apparently it's really good as well, huh. and it's it's the first actual Wario game. The one where you play as Wario. Yes, even yeah. though it's a Super Mario Land game. But Mario's like not in it at all, I don't think, is he? Correct. Yeah. I, I, I believe, believe he's not in at all. Um... I think that came up in but our Mario Facts episode. It did. Um, but yeah, Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins is a great game. Um, you you have an overworld where you can go to each different world. So it's not like a typical Mario where you, you do World 1-1, one, 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 1-2, one, 1-3, one, 1-4, and then you move on to like 2-1, You can... Each each world is themed, so there's like the the spooky world, and there's the the tiny world where you're tiny and everything is big. Um, you're you're approaching a house, but like the house is ten times your size. Oh, um, it's built for someone ten times your size. So right. you're 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 in a a macro world. Um, and then there's, like, you can go up a tree. There's a tree world. Uh, but it's not, like, one level in the tree. There's multiple levels, and you progress through the tree levels. Uh, but you can also just stop at any point and go do a different one. So if you're, if you're getting stuck on a level, you could just go to a different place and come back, and it, it keeps your progress through the tree. And you can replay the previous levels in the tree if you want oh, that's you know, nice. coins or, or lives or something. Uh, yeah. Um, and it, it's it's kind of like a, a Super Mario World thing where it'll allow you to do that. Um, and uh, it's, it's just a really good game. I There's the several lands that are just some of my favorite Mario worlds of all time. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. There's a lot of those. It's, it's so. just a, it's a real fun game and I've played them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We're, we're down to the last one. Tell me about Max gentleman's sexy business. Right. <laughs> So here we are, choo-choo, we're on another stop on my uh, learning about sex and games trip. Uh, not actually much Yay. sex in this one. Um, it, it's mostly just a uh, an innuendo-laden uh, ba- basic business tycoon game. Um it's it's got like a colorful okay. cast of characters. Um, at the start of the game, your rival uh, s- steals your family fortune and, and leaves you poor and destitute. 
and you have to climb your back your way back up into the ranks of ob- obscenely rich people uh okay <laughs> yep it's it, um everybody in it, in it is uh, like all the the characters that they like advertise with and shit they're they're all the executives that you can recruit along the way and they each like cover a different type of business like a penny okay. penny farthing is a metalworking um, character, and Ant- Antoine Hardmeat is a, a a he owns like a law business stuff okay. like that. And also, they all have ridiculous names. <clears throat> um, the Max Gentleman is actually the name of one of the characters. He's like a, an ex- excessively masculine <sighs> character named Max Gentleman. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so have you not gotten to any of the nudity in the game? No, I haven't. Um, I've put six and a half hours into it this week, and I beat my first run. It has like three different types of runs that each get harder and harder as you go along. Um, my first attempt okay. at my first one, I beat it. Uh, okay. So... I imagine I'm going to be going into the next one unprepared. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and like I said, it's kind of it's kind of basic. Like like the the nudity, I guess, would come eventually from like com uh, like like rank ups in the dates because you can date the characters, and as they rank up, they give you costumes and stuff. Um. Penny okay. Penny Farthing, I got the highest to rank five, and like she still didn't give me any, uh, like <laughs> really risque costumes. So it takes a while to actually get to any of that stuff, and it seems to just kind of be there. Um, it, it's just like a, I would almost call it a gimmick. Um, yeah. There, there are unlockables in the like there. They're just, like, costumes that you can buy, and then there's also, like, smut magazines for the characters, like, like featuring the character um, that you can read, and they're all, like, smutty, but in the softcore kind of way, where they don't really explicitly do much. Important question. Yeah? Did you download the free DLC? I did. Okay. Yes. So you are playing Max Gentleman's Sexy Business Uncensored. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about that because because like I didn't even start the game without that on it. So, but but because yeah. looking at it, you definitely see just full on yeah cock and vag. Yes. Like if you go to the store page, it shows you more nudity than you will get within six hours of the game. Huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was looking at it there. I was like, okay, this this definitely seems like it's got the porns, right? But oh well, uh, interesting. Looking at it, I am reminded that yeah, when you create your character, um, like the first thing you, I'm not gonna count that. Yeah, like like the first thing you you do is you choose their naked what their naked body looks like, 
like which which yeah like size and set of body parts but yeah uh, i'm not i'm not gonna count that yeah after that um it takes it takes longer than six hours to get any nudity i appreciate the fact that it's um lgbtq plus because most sexy games aren't oh yeah everybody in this is like bisexual like everybody yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and it it looked like you could make a trans character as well yes i i did so My, my character is trans okay yeah so all right yeah uh, other than that the actual gameplay is uh it's okay it's it, middle of the road business management um another entry in wombat's voyage of learning what sex is <laughs> i don't think that was the the goal i think i already knew that uh-huh right <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I hate you. Game facts. <laughs> Game facts. Game facts. We're talking about wizards and warriors. Wizards and Warriors is a platformer developed by Rare for the NES and is the third game Rare developed. I feel like we've hit up a few Rare games in this segment. Yeah, they made a lot of games. Yeah, none of them have been the ones you would expect. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess guess we talked about Donkey Kong 64. uh, That's the one. That's the one that's the one people more people would expect like banjo kazooie or conquers or Goldeneye? jet force gemini Goldeneye, yeah pitch pitch black perfect dark oh that's that's the pitch one black? <laughs> let's get <laughs> let's get vin diesel the star in perfect dark oh there we go <laughs> um yeah, this is the third game Rare developed. Oh. This is really early on. This is before anybody knew them. Um, it's- yeah, and also, the, the first two games are just the same game. <laughs> it's uh, The first game was Slalom, and then the second one was Slalom Versus, or Versus Slalom. Uh, so... It's the same game. In Wizards and Warriors, you control the warrior hero Kuros as he makes his way through the land of Elrond. Hmm, suspiciously named. Rescuing princesses <laughs> and bribing knights along the way to his final task of defeating the evil wizard Malkil in Castle Ironspire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like every, every fantasy thing just has to take names from Lord of the Rings, it feels like. Like, it does, yeah. Because Elrond is very much just the elf dude from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, it's never been anything else. It's just, it's really on the nose yes. for, like, hey, we took this from Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, yes, each level has a knight at the end that you cannot beat and must bribe with gems in order to pass by to the next level. Wait, what? 
Yeah. You have to bribe knights in order to get through the game. Like, you could possibly fight him, but you just can't beat him? They're invincible. They're invincible. Yeah. You have to... Man, knights suck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they always have. Yeah, I mean, this is true. Like, I don't know. I just I like a I like a fantasy knight, you know? I like I like the knights that wear like plate armor and swing banners around and, and Yeah, fight a, a for fa- honor fairy tale knight. And, yeah. Yeah. Real knights sucked. <laughs> yeah. This is much more accurate like to the... a real knight. <laughs> yeah, I like how in fairy tales, knights are these honorable people and even in the pseudo-historical fantasy of the Knights of the Round Table, the knights kind of suck. The knights do kind of suck. <laughs> like, like they, they, they go off and do things for glory and honor, and they, they protect the innocent, but they also just do awful things and are awful people. Yeah, I, I mean, they're... Uh, they, and it doesn't hide it either. They feel like real people. like that's i think that's kind of one of the best things about those like arthurian tales is that like none of them are perfect none of them are some of them you couldn't even classify as like good but they still have good and bad qualities to them yeah like like lancelot just sucks lancelot's a fucking dick but there's still parts of lancelot where you're like I can understand why people would look up to him. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he's dick. But he's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gems are found in chests throughout each level, as are power-up items, like boots that let you walk on lava, potions of levitation, kind of draws away the points of the walking on lava, wands of wonder, <laughs> and more. What does a wand of wonder do? Uh, it freezes and does a little bit of damage. Okay. So like it, it shoots a bolt that freezes it's, an it's enemy an ice and wand. does a little bit of damage to them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, there is no way to know what is in a chest, and if it is in the same slot as another, it will replace that item without asking. Some items, like the potion and a feather fall feather, are the only things in their slot and can't be replaced, but others, like the only found in one place staff of power that does immense damage can be replaced by the wand of wonder found all over the place, which freezes and does minuscule damage. Yeah. So it's like you could have the infinity plus one weapon, and then you open the wrong chest, and... Now you have... And there's... There is no way to know. Like, the the only way to know is by either having a perfect memory or having written down what is in every single chest. It's one of those games that if you want to do it perfectly, you have to have a guide. Yes. Yeah. And uh, if you... You can't even be like, well, I, I've got the Staff of Power. I don't want to open up chests. You have to because you need the gems. Right. Um, but there's also like most chests have keys that you have to, to get to unlock them. But one of the, the very rare items like the staff of power is the metal boots. 
uh, or the power boots or force boots. It's something like that. Uh, that just allow you to kick open chests. Oh. <laughs> you, you just walk up to a chest and kick it and it, it opens. But if you want the boots Which of, makes things real nice. The boots of lava, then you'd have to sacrifice those kick boots. Well, once you got the potion of levitation, like you pointed out, you probably don't need the, the boots of walking on lava. But also, so, the potions of levitation could be replaced by something else. No, I believe that is one of the items, because it, it's... Uh, reading about these facts, it says the potion and the feather of Featherfall well, I are thought the I, I thought only the things that are potion meant like a healing potion. I don't think there is a healing potion. Oh, I see. So I believe that is the potion of levitation. Alright, then yeah, once you have like the potion of levitation... I don't understand why you would also need the boots of lava. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Three sequels were made, two for the NES and one for the Game Boy. In Iron Sword, Wizards and Warriors 2, Koros continues his fight against Malkil. Oh, I guess he failed the first time. This time... Yeah, it's... well, it's a Ganon situation. Oh, I see. This time exploring the land of Cinderin. The game cover featured famed Italian model Fabio Lanzoni, bare-chested without armor, as the main character. A literal knight in shining armor. It's perfect. I need you to put on the Instagram that picture of Fabio. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because Fabio is beautiful. I need that bookmarked somewhere. (laughs) He is a beautiful man. Um, let me. I'm gonna go ahead and send you the image right now. Yeah, the the perfect image. So you can see. Oh, that is like oh. if that is like if Conan was hotter. Oh yeah, no, it's it's like if Conan was was stunning. Yeah. <laughs> and like Conan has a a raw primal beauty to him. Yes. But Fabio is like I said, just... hotter, not hot, because Conan's already hot. <laughs> yeah, in a different way. Yes, but oof, Fabio. Fabio, though, like give me, <laughs> give me that glo- that groin plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I I also I really like the fact that he's dressed up like. A barbarian, based like that. That's what I'd say he's. Yeah, he looks like. I mean, like I said, he's Conan. And, <laughs> yeah. For a game where you literally run around in shining armor, you you are armor head to toe. You have a helmet on. You cannot see your character's face. It's. <laughs> but no, no. This is a. This is a barbarian Fabio. I mean, if you want to consider your muscles armor, then it's like he's in shining armor. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Oil me up, Daddy. He is glistening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is beautiful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it's perfect. Uh, that made my uh, day. And no, no, no comment about uh, the land of Sindarin. Uh, no, I don't, uh, I'm imagining this is from, like, the Silmarillion or something, which... 
Sindarin is one of the two elven languages uh, devised by Tolkien. I see. Yeah, yeah I wasn't going to remember the name of an elven language. Um, that's oh, that's deeper. Okay. That's deeper Lord of the Rings lore than uh, I do. <laughs> well, Bomber. Once you know the name Sindarin, then you also have like conversations about whether or not the Balrog has wings, and I'm not for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm perfect. I'm personally in the the camp that I have no problem with it having wings. <laughs> I I get the argument against. I get the argument for. I don't think it matters. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> I I I I think I I fall into the Peter Jackson uh role here, which I don't like to be a Peter Jackson, but I I agree with him in this one that it's cool so sure they've got wings i mean but listen now we're getting into it um peter jackson took the easy way out by doing both he gave the balrog like shadow wings (laughs) yeah yes but the shadow wings flap so (laughs) the shadow wings do flap if if they were fake, then they would just be a visual thing. So, either way, it's still cool. They don't. So hold on, but they don't I'm flap with effectively. It. So, well, yeah, it's a giant fucking <laughs> beast. <laughs> that is not an aerodynamic <laughs> creature. <laughs> the fell beasts, I can see flying. The giant eagles, I can see flying. A Balrog, nah, that that thing ain't taken off. A dove, it is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Go back to Kitty Hawk and try again. Kitty Hawk. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. Oh, you didn't want to hear about uh, fact seven? There's only six here. That's because. This game was also featured on Captain N. Oh, you're hiding it from me. <laughs> uh, How dare you? It, it was it was in two episodes. Did they meet Kuros? Neither like No, they they don't meet Kuros. They 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 do meet Malkil, but both times it's kind of tangentially connected. <laughs> like the 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 most you have is on i think it's the the first time it it appears which is a nightmare on mother brains street which is more about the the nightmare on elm street franchise than it is about this game oh yeah despite mostly taking place in uh they call it the the world of Excalibur instead of the world of Elrond. The franchise, all the eight-year-old children watching this show would be aware of. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, because, like, the majority of the episode takes place in the Wizards and Warriors world. Um, but... The title is a reference to A Nightmare on Elm Street, and it ends in a nightmare realm. But the basic plot is just Snow White. They're mixing a lot here. They're <laughs> like it's it's it. It really is just Snow White. Um, 
Princess Lana is given a poison apple that uh, from Mother Brain, who which sends Lana into a deep sleep, and you have to go through the castle to. Like it's it's just Snow White. Listen, my brain died when you said Mother Brain gave Princess Lana a <laughs> potion of whatever. <laughs> Uh, I'm like, wasn't Mother Brain like just a brain in a jar? <laughs> what is happening? Yes, <laughs> she was. All right, you 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 got your Captain N reference in there. Surprisingly, unsurprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly to me. <laughs> Let's move on. What are we what are we talking about this week, John? Animes! No, it's not. It's it's a light novel. We're doing a light novel week. And actually, this is the last week of this season. What? That we're doing a light novel review. Oh, is it? Are we not doing one for December? Yeah. Nope. Oh. We're 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 gonna be just plugging along, getting through this, and and we will bring it back. Both next year and next season, which happened to be the same thing. Okay. Um, so, let's make it good! Remember, remember, the 5th of January. <laughs> Is that when it's gonna be? Yeah, that'll be our when our next uh, light novel episode comes out, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, well, we'll probably push it back a week, because that'll be the first week of the, the season, so... I mean, coming strong. Remember the 12th of January? <laughs> no, we're coming in strong. <laughs> we're going to come in strong with a new a new light novel. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yes, we will definitely remember that. Oh, yeah, we will. <clears throat> All right. So, so this, this week we uh we picked the book instead of becoming the hero i've reincarnated as a billionaire yeah like and the reason we did this is because uh so you you know we have our lottery that we do where wombat picks two books i pick two books and then after we do one of these uh reviews uh we roll a dice and whoever's book gets picked that's the one for the next one now i I'm not familiar with a lot of light novels. I watch a lot of anime. I don't watch or read a lot of, of light novels. And so I did what any self-respecting um, content creator does. And I went on the web uh, internet and searched for what I could find as the stupidest looking, worst sounding light novels I could. Yeah, and... Listen, and this was one of this them. This lived up to that description. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, let's go ahead and hear it. Yeah, uh, um, I didn't realize this was our last light novel episode for the year. I kind of wish we'd gone out with a bigger bang. Um, <laughs> let, uh, let me start reading my recap. Instead of becoming the hero, I've reincarnated as a billionaire billionaire from now on, is easily the worst light novel I've read yet, for a variety of reasons. Let's see if you can catch them. Our 
hero is Yamamoto Keiji, a regular salary man from Japan who was pushed in front of a train by a co-worker after their boss started throwing up in a subway station. Mere moments before he would have been made a greasy splatter on the front of some poor train driver's windshield, he is summoned to another world by the richest man in that world, Rosmund von Lichtenstein. Rosmond informs Keiji that he was summoned to be the heir to General Magic, Rosmond's company, and that he has a year to find a wife and two years after that to have a child, or Keiji will be returned to exactly where and when he had been summoned from. He then leaves Keiji and the book. Uh, so there's some problems here already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can't argue with this at all, because... One of the first things you read in this book is some of the worst things you can ever read. Uh, to, to quote this, I will read the paragraph. Your mission will be to find a good wife and produce lots of children with her. Go wild. Spray that baby batter. Turn that bedroom into a sticky love nest. Do it in whatever position you must to ensure that there will be an heir to take over the company when you are old like me. That is the first of three uses of the term baby batter in the book. <laughs> and it front loads the first two. It's not an even spread. There are two within like two chapters. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, um, also... It's called reincarnated as a billionaire. He he's not been reincarnated. This isn't what the term reincarnated means in any way. Yeah, I'll, I I yeah. Um, like reincarnated is one of those words that has such a very specific meaning that if you fuck it up even a tiny bit, you are no longer in the realm of reincarnation. And. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it's also just sort of a generalized term at this point. Uh, it, 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 it means you got isekai It It does, but generally it still at least means like, okay, maybe you're still in your original body at the age you were. But you still did die in the other world. Whereas in this case, he yeah. is about to die when he is summoned. And... And it's made explicit that if he gets if he goes back, he will be dead. He will be killed. I'm curious what the original Japanese was. Um, I'm curious. I'll I'll look that up while listen. You continue. Um, I'm curious if uh it was in Japanese originally at all. <laughs> um, because this is a very obviously a self-published book. Is what we ran across. Uh, and um in the very the very last page of the book says made in the usa copple texas um so this might just be a texan's book <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah uh yamamoto lives a busy life from then on with meetings from dawn till midnight in constant worry of how he'll find a wife one day, a young half-elf, half-succubus, sneaks into his room with an offer of marriage, but on close inspection, her marriage contract would give the Illuminati her sponsors ownership of general magic. He rejects the girl, Lumi, but on learning that she walked across the entire continent to get there, he offers to feed and house her temporarily 
which becomes indefinite. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, KG grows tired of all the meetings, and Lumi grows tired of being ignored by KG all the time. So the two of them and KG's assistant Tanya, who he's weirdly insistent he's not allowed to fire, go into town to do some shopping. KG realizes the extent to which general magic has a monopoly on everything in the world, and also that succubi are considered a lower class and barred from most businesses. Um, uh, like, when I wrote that line, the that uh, he's insistent that he's not allowed to fire Tanya, I, I did go back and, like, glance through the first chapter where Rosman tells him all the conditions. Um, mm-hmm. And at no point does Rosamund say you're not allowed to fire Tanya. Um, he introduces Tanya as one of the conditions, but just that she'll be teaching him all the ropes of the business. Yeah. Um, he does not ever say he's not allowed to fire Tanya. This is just KG's understanding, which is wrong. And it's it's it comes up several times throughout the book that he's not allowed to fire Tanya. Uh, yeah. So it's weird that it's not ever actually stated that is the case. Um, also, uh, starting with the Illuminati, you'll notice that a lot of things are just named after shit in our world. And yeah. Um, also, that nothing has just an randomly nothing has an interesting name. Like the the big business is General Magic. The kingdom they're in is the Kingdom of the East. The, the one next to it is the Middle Kingdom. Yeah. The one on the other side is the Soviet Union. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, n- running low on ideas. <laughs> uh, yeah. A while later, and Keiji slips away from his mansion on his own to explore the town. He meets a girl, Senna, while sitting on a bench and helps her look for her necklace, after which she leads him back to her home in the red light district. He's caught off guard by the sudden turn, only to discover that the bench he was sitting on was a subtly marked John meetup for a very specific kind of experience, and that the whole thing was this girl's idea. She's likely to be fired if it continues to fail, so instead of having any experiences with Senna, he buys the store out from her madam and makes Senna the new manager. Don't expect to see Senna again for the rest of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Except for in book two! <laughs> Did you read the second one? Not yet. Uh, not ever. <laughs> you can read it on your own time. <laughs> not if I put it into the poll. <laughs> the lottery. <laughs> one day, while going through his mail, Keiji discovers a letter from the kingdom's empress amongst the pile, and insists they go to meet her as requested. Tanya is reluctant to do so, as the empress only ever requests to see Rosmond to ask for money. When they get to the castle, Keiji recognizes it as an exact replica of Osaka Castle, and discovers that the empress is actually another Japanese otherworlder named Himiko, who had been summoned to this world to replace the previous empress who had eloped with her bodyguard boyfriend. She does still request money, though, and KG obliges. You might be noticing at this point that no chapter really directly follows another. Anyway, Lumi is jealous of the close relationship KG has with Himiko <laughs> and the fact he spends all of his time not fucking and marrying her. And so she dresses up like what she assumes his favorite kind of girl is, and she's right. 
a sweet and innocent yeah, milk yes. maiden. Um, like they always say milk maiden. Like it's just a milkmaid. What I, I I get so caught up in how much this book is insistent in using the term maiden. <laughs> because every woman yeah. is a maiden. They're not anything else. They're a maiden. They're a warrior maiden. They're a young maiden. They're a <laughs> Yeah. It's <laughs> KG makes the bad light novel staple thought of if she keeps doing shit like this, I won't be able to hold myself back. But spends the whole day with her while she acts virginal and naive. When there's a thunderstorm at night, she hides in his bed to feel protected. Despite the fact I personally find it weird that she grew up in the actual wild and is afraid of thunder and lightning. <laughs> Finally exasperated with being unable to find a wife, KG asks a maid in the mansion, Maria, why nobody looks at him as a potential suitor. When she gives an answer you would give to your boss when asked such an inappropriate question for the workplace, he pays her a whole year's salary for her to be honest with him for a few hours. He is informed that, obviously, you can't date your boss because of the inherent power imbalance, and anybody that might actually consider dating Keiji under normal circumstances would be put off because he wears clothes entirely made of silk that cost more than most countries' entire GDP. The pair go into town yeah. to buy him some normal <laughs> clothes for a change, and once they're done, Maria quits to become a florist. Because that is... Like, that, that entire section to me was the most real of the entire book <laughs> because uh, she's like all right no i'm not going to do this because you're just going to take it out on me because the person she is talking to is the most powerful person on the planet right she makes him write into the contract that if he retaliates against her in any way he will suffer the death penalty yeah. Which I don't think is actually legally binding, but, you know. Well, and also, like, he can have the rules changed. Right. She is unable like, to fight against this. When, when you are that filthy rich, nothing matters to you. Yeah. Like, he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and then, like... She just destroys him with fact. Right. Like, no, no one that works for you is going to be interested in you because th there's a power imbalance. And, and also, like, they work for you. They don't want to live with you, too. Like, you, you don't you don't want to live where you work. Yeah, like, she, she brings up that she probably wouldn't date anybody at where she works because... Like, you don't want to go to work and then come home and see the same people that you see at work. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the old-timey saying is, don't get your meat where you get your bread. Right. Um, and I'm I'm very much in favor of, of that point of view. Which, I mean, that's <laughs> that sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get your meat where you get your bread. <laughs> yeah, but it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> It's understandable. It is. Um, and then, like, they go out and, and and she helps him get clothing that, you know, won't make him look like a pompous asshole. Right. Because um, whether or not he is a pompous asshole doesn't matter. 
when you have that amount of money and you wear it, you are a pompous asshole. Also, like that is the only thing anyone will see. It it bears mentioning also that um, whenever Tanya, whenever he's done with an outfit, the clothes don't get washed. Um, Tanya yeah. burns them. Yeah, he is literally the only one on the planet who wears this quality of clothing. There is no one else that comes close. Uh, the the closest people come is the heads of state who wear maybe one or two pieces of this clothing yeah and they get them washed afterwards whereas his he gets a new entire full set of clothes underwear overclothes everything fresh made every day and when he's done with it at the end of the day or if he gets it dirty th- during the middle of the day it gets taken off and burned yeah <laughs> It's made out of super rare material that, like, is impossible to get your hands on, and they're just burning mass quantities of it. It's Ugh. literally insane. <laughs> yes. Like, and it's disgusting. It honestly, for sure. it honestly goes against Tanya's supposed head for business, because, like, even if it's used clothing, you could, instead of burning it, like, recycle it into other clothing and sell it to people for already still lots of money. Uh, it would lower the overall, um, you would, uh, flood the market and devalue yourself. I guess, but at the... At the same time, the market is him. He's the market for this product. <laughs> well, and the heads of state. See, it allows him to fleece the heads of state. I that for for their money. I guess that that he then has to give back to them. That would be the uh, undercurrent there. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um, oh, also, one of the tailors working on his clothes attempted to kill him when she discovered he was the owner of General Magic. But when she was stopped, KG saved her job. I bring this up to make a point near the end of the book. Anyway, the Demon Lord has escaped from her prison, and it's time to call up a hero to defeat her. K- yeah, this these these chapters were just unnecessary. <laughs> KG receives a letter from Himika thinking he might be being called on to fight the Demon Lord, despite his lack of any combat ability. Only to be informed that Himiko just wanted to hang out and the actual hero is being summoned in the basement. KG insists on going down to meet him, so they watch the summoning ritual and are disappointed to learn that the hero, who KG explicitly never learns the name of, is a smug, self-confident jackass. Himiko sends the hero off along with ten warrior maidens from the High Elf families and nine of their legendary bows, because one family already lost theirs, as one would lose a pair of keys. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That one is the lesser High Elf family. And, and whenever they bring up how they lost the bow, it's always like, yes, they lost the bow, like one would lose their house key. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that exact <laughs> phrasing. Yeah, <laughs> they lost their lo- they lost their legendary bow, the foundation of their house, uh, like you would misplace your phone. Yeah, <laughs> which, a- as we learn later, is isn't even true. But 
News of the hero and his travels come back at regular intervals, until suddenly he goes radio silent for weeks. The warrior maiden from the family who lost their bow eventually returns and informs the world that the hero fell in love with the demon lord, murdered the other warrior maidens, stole their bows, and now the two of them just roll around in bed fucking all day. There's another chapter from the demon lord's point of view, but it essentially just helps detail this turn of events. Yeah, I don't hate the demon lord, but I do hate the the hero. I hate the existence of this subplot in any way. Yes, <laughs> I definitely do that because, again, it doesn't matter at all. Like, nothing changes. Like, the, <clears throat> the, the existence of the legendary bows and stuff isn't even a feature of this. Like, it's brought up more in this, but it was taught back when they first... Yeah, you know, Himiko and Keiji first. Yeah, met. this isn't even so, learning about the bows or the high elf families <laughs> or anything. It's it's already been known. It's just this entire segment is worthless. And they did already offhandedly mention that the demon lord was in prison. <laughs> so like this doesn't even introduce the concept of the demon lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much just let's summon a dude to make KG look better. Like like that's that's yeah. all this was was look at this hero. Look at how much the hero sucks. Isn't KG such a better person than the hero? <laughs> it almost looks KG uh, look like a decent person. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Himiko then enlists Keiji and Lumi's help in having some fun on the down low, and the trio go off to tackle a dungeon. Dungeons have all been chain restauranted under general magic and called McDungeons, but they manage to find one off the beaten path called Dungeon King, run by another person whose business was stolen by general magic under Rosmond. She would have killed Keiji also, had Himiko not revealed herself as the Empress, and nothing happens as a result. The trio tackle the dungeon, with Lumi essentially carrying the others, until they reach the boss room, where they find a lesser dragon waiting. The lesser dragon turns out to be an intelligent creature, and reveals to Keiji that they were genocided by the humans, and then Keiji and his group complete the genocide. <laughs> the, the owner of Dungeon King reveals at this point that she had been approached by the lesser dragon to be her dungeon boss, who was hoping to die in battle against a worthy opponent, thus erasing any guilt or fault on Keiji's behalf. To be fair, they had no escape once they encountered the lesser dragon it, it was die or yeah i mean this is more this is more a um a condemnation on the author's behalf than on uh the actual character yeah in in the story at this point i i i don't have a problem with with what Keiji did because he even tried to get away and and not do it but then he had no chance. Yeah, my my <laughs> issue is this being a thing at all. As with the yes. Demon Lord plotline, the lesser dragon information, why is this a thing at all? This only makes your world and your characters look worse. <laughs> yes, I, I will agree with that. The The whole uh, Dungeon King slash McDungeons um, <laughs> encounter is important, though, for later, because... Uh, <laughs> L- Lumi, Lumi is is shown to be just a fucking boss <laughs> for no reason. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, a while later, Himiko requests Keiji's help again. This time with finances. Again. And Keiji finally asks if maybe there's something they could do something about all the corrupt government officials embezzling money. After talking about it for a moment, they somehow conclude that the best solution is government-sponsored pachinko gambling inside government offices in order to bring in money and enact accountability on these officials. Um, I, I understand the, the... It would work. I understand the leaps that it took to get there. <laughs> I don't know why they chose these particular leaps to get to this solution. Like, <laughs> it would work. It's weird. <laughs> Who came up with this? Keiji. <laughs> but, like, again, genuinely, like, as described, it would work. Uh, but you, why, you have to take so many logical Why would you do it this leaps. way? <laughs> yeah. It's the most inconvenient way of doing things. Um, once we're done with this book, I do want to have a little discussion about all the more convenient ways anything could have been done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, th this was... Reading that chapter broke my mind. Um, <laughs> and it's also somehow, this is what drives Tanya over the line. This insane bullshit. <laughs> no, no, I disagree with that. Uh, Tanya, Tanya intended, read the next sentence and then I'll, I'll say what I'm going to say. Uh, next we have a chapter from Tanya's point of view as she decides to murder KG. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tanya intended to kill KG from the beginning. And, and even this chapter goes into the fact that Tanya intended KG to die from the beginning. Yeah. But this was what Tanya, drove it. Tanya has, has maneuvered everything she has uh, done so that KG would never find a girl and thus would die. Yeah, but this is where she um, decides to take direct action and get her own hands bloody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, it's it's such an abrupt turn of events because Tanya seemed annoyed, but fine. Up until this chapter, where she, you suddenly get, like, her point of view, and she's hated him all along, and she's been conniving to, like, keep him busy all day so he doesn't marry anyone, and so she can inherit the business, even though at no point was she named successor, and she had already explicitly not been named successor, so why would Rosamond... I mean... I, I agree that it, it, it could be seen out of the blue. I had suspicions beforehand just for the aforementioned reasons, like constantly keeping him busy, not allowing him to do the things that Mr. Manager had, had stated. I mean, it did... Whatever his name was, Lichtenstein. It did clear up one of the um, issues I had with the book, which is that uh, it was acting as if billionaires would normally be doing work. Um. 
Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And it takes until the second to last chapter to reveal that, oh no, he's just doing all this work because she's manipulating things to keep him busy. Normally yeah. he would be doing nothing. <laughs> Which, yeah. you got there, finally. But most of the book you had me thinking that you thought billionaires actually did something. <laughs> no, all they do is spray their baby batter around. Right. Lumi <laughs> 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 demands attention from Keiji. As with every other chapter in this book, it starts with Lumi demanding attention yes. from Keiji. Yes. And when Keiji asks Tanya for a day off, she is oddly accepting, even telling them about an out-of-the-way out dungeon they should be able to handle. They go off into the woods where they find the statue of a war criminal uh, mm, hero, along with many of her personal effects that reveal that, like everyone else in this story, she was desperately horny. They go by a tavern where Lumi gets jealous of the tavern owner's happy family, and Keiji, I guess it wants me to think he stuck his foot in his mouth? Anyway, afterwards they head to the dungeon, which is a boring wave-based affair. But when they attempt to leave after a few minutes, they find that a magic barrier has been placed on the dungeon, trapping them in. Eventually, they manage to beat all the waves, and Tanya reveals herself, knocking them down a hole and breaking one each of Keiji and Lumi's arms. As Tanya moves for the kill shot, Lumi's bow stops the arrows and then shoots out magic that instantly beheads Tanya. The bow gives Lumi a letter from her father revealing her parents did care about her. Maria passes by and rescues them from the hole, and Keiji and Lumi go home to a less busy lifestyle, not revealing Tanya's death to anyone. And yep. that's the book. Um, so the thing I yep. wanted to bring up uh, that I, I pointed out the other two instances of this for... Um, Nobody else who attempts to kill Keiji and fails is ever punished in the book. Um, but Tanya yeah. is murdered for her indiscretions. And I thought that was very mixed messaging because it felt like the author wanted to say, like, like, hey, Keiji, like, you know, the business that he's in charge here's, of is here's a the bad difference. business. And here's the difference. The other people didn't hate Keiji. They hated General Magic. The, the, the two other times were events in which General Magic had destroyed their, their family, their home, their, their, their livelihood, and cast them out on the streets as worthless. And so they, they hated General Magic. And then along comes Keiji, who currently runs General Magic. He had nothing to do with General Magic doing those things, but he is currently the one to take out the revenge on. Yeah. And he recognized that and didn't want to punish them for what he recognizes as some shit was done to them. <laughs> At no point does KG or the author um, minimize the evils of being a billionaire. <laughs> Yeah, which I I to their credit that that's that is one of the few good things you could say about the writing of this book is that it does not minimize just how evil being a billionaire is. Yeah, it's it's confused <laughs> about it a little bit. 
But it, it is firmly yeah. on the side of, like, the corporations themselves, the ones owned by billionaires, are evil. And they do evil things. Yeah, and, and KG goes out of his way to not go to his own places. Like, he he does not go to a McDungeons. When they go to... Um, clothing businesses to, to get him new clothes. They they try not to go to one run by General Magic. Um, the, his two instances in which he buys a, a business, one is because Tanya bought the business. He didn't want her to. He just wanted to have some food. And she just goes in and, and buys right. the business out the from under them. She does comical billionaire bullshit. Yeah. Um, and then the other time was to help someone. <laughs> In a very roundabout way, but... <laughs> yeah. It was like, you're working a sex industry and you're not doing a good job of it and you're going to get punished for that. So I'm just going to make... I mean, basically everyone happy. The, the mistress got paid off. She won't ever have to work again. Yeah. And th- this other person who was going to get punished now runs the business. Although whether um, or not she would actually be any good at the business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, e- every time before that someone has tried to kill or threatened Keiji, they didn't hate Keiji. Whereas Tanya... Intended to kill Cage. Yeah, like her. She has no beef. Yeah, she has no beef with General Magic. She has a beef with Cagey, and she wants to kill him. I mean, she seems to be the um, mastermind behind most of General Magic's <clears throat> evilness, honestly. It, it almost yeah. implies that Rosmond wasn't. didn't have much of a hand in things either. <laughs> yeah. So. Which makes sense, since he's a billionaire. But it, it also, I, I felt like that kind of, like, forgave Rosamond some of his evil tendencies by implying... A little implying bit. Implying that Tanya might have been the one behind it. Yeah. I I don't know that it was fully forgiven at the end of it. it but. Yeah, and it wasn't ever spelled out. It It just, it was, it felt very heavily like that's what the author was saying. Yeah. yeah. There uh so I I will will say that there is loads of things in here that just why are they here? It doesn't make sense. This should not have been I mean, in there. Every like chapter. we pointed out the the demon lord, <laughs> we pointed out the um oh, what was the other one? Dungeon King? Dun yeah, Dungeon King, like the the lesser dragon. Yeah. I think Dungeon King was important. The Lesser Dragon was not. Uh, if only... Like, they, they could have picked something else that wasn't a genocide to show off Lumi's... Like, Lumi could have just killed a le- the Lesser Dragon and it not have been a genocide. Right, it could have just been a like, dragon. <laughs> Here's a dragon. Let's kill the dragon. And I wouldn't have had any... Yeah. Like, that's just fantasy bullshit now. You wouldn't have thought twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except now it's like... Cool, they're gonna kill the last one of their kind. Right, it goes out of its way um, to make the situation worse than it needed to be. <laughs> yeah. For no reason. 
Yeah. Um, and the third thing that I, that like really jumped out at me was the thing at the very end. They, they go to a temple, which has the statue of this hero, which, yeah, absolutely a war criminal. <laughs> um, uh, I think explicitly and, her, her thing was that she would forcibly inscript people into her army and then kill anyone who tried to leave. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> war criminal. War criminal shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but, like, and they're like, yeah, cool, there's this war criminal who's thought of as a hero and here's her diary that she's desperately talks about like yeah she she really wants dick like uh, I, I guess it's good that we're talking about this book at the beginning of no not november <laughs> get it out of the way so you don't have anything nobody's jacking oh, gosh. off to this it, book nobody <laughs> has ever jacked off to this book <laughs> The pictures in the front aren't even that great. Listen. There's 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 three pictures in this book. There's the one on the cover. There's more than three. Oh, no, I guess there's four. If you Are there oh, Okay, you're right. There are. Yeah. You're right. There are. Um I did want to talk about um, one in specific though because I forgot to write it up in the recap. But in the book itself when uh Senna is talking to KG in the 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 room um, she's naked. According to the pros, she is naked. And then there's a picture of the scene, and she's wearing, like, a, a blouse and a skirt. And I'm like, if you're gonna write that she's naked, and ha- you can't also have a picture of it unless you're gonna be explicit with the picture. Because now you're contradicting what you've already said. <laughs> Here... Okay, okay, I'm on that page. The, this is page, the the picture would be on page 59. Uh-huh. I'm assuming that one. Okay, right next to it, I will read four chapters. You mean four sentences? Or four paragraphs. Four, four paragraphs. paragraphs. Before I could finish my thought, Senate pushed me onto the bed and climbed onto my lap. She took off her clothes, took my hand, and pressed it against her chest. My fingers sunk into her soft boobs. okay. That's where you're saying she's naked. Senna? This is to thank you. She let go of me and pulled a scroll out from underneath her skirt. (laughs) (laughs) Unfolded it and held it open before before. So she's naked, but she's also still wearing her clothes. But when I read that, what I assumed that meant was that it was just inside the skirt and she reached into the clothes like beside her on the bed. Hmm. Like th- that hmm. doesn't that doesn't necessarily contradict the fact that she took off her clothes. I find it highly more likely that this author doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> this is true. Um uh, no this book is very like we haven't even touched on the fact that this book is so poorly written. Uh it, it is it is vastly better written than the invincible shovel i'm it is go back if you still have your book and you haven't burned it or thrown it away like i have i do actually it's it's hidden (laughs) in my closet because i don't like just like 
I spent money on that. I don't want to just throw yeah. it away. But <laughs> I threw it away. I threw it away. I posted the video on Instagram. On, we've we've on all Instagram seen it. of me throwing. <laughs> yes, that is that is me actually throwing it away. It went out with the trash. <laughs> I do not own it anymore. It is gone. <laughs> Go back if you don't believe me and reread some of that book. You don't want Listen. to because it is far worse than it this was. Book. It was very poorly written. Um, I think about on an equal level. I d- I don't think this is better no, in no, any way. No, this is, no, because listen, no, this listen, <clears throat> this book is trash. No, like I I I hate this book for for two reasons. Um, and, and this book is trash. This book is significantly better than the other one. My, my issue is that, like, if you ever have three or four characters in this book, um, Billionaire, um, talking in, like, succession, I could not tell you which line came from which person. Um, like, none of them have a voice. Um, they all talk in very stilted, like, no contractions way. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I can't yeah. tell you the difference between one line and another if they're all listed together without a name. Whereas in Invincible Shovel, four times out of ten, I could probably tell you. <laughs> yes, but that's because those characters are so zero dimensional. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I do mean zero dimensional. <laughs> that. Being able to write those characters is literally mindless. <laughs> like the author, who is literally mindless. And and my other... Listen, Invincible Shovel had a thing. It was a bad thing, but it was a thing. It, it had the shovel puns. Constantly with the shovel puns. And the shovel not puns. No, the shovel they, just... They were not puns! There were no shovel, shovel puns! <laughs> Insert shovel word there, into other word. <laughs> there, there was no shovel pun. Shovel-tastic. It, there were zero puns about shovels in the entire book. It was all just replace, word replacements with shovel in non-clever ways. That book doesn't deserve to be considered a book. This... This is a book. It's garbage. <laughs> it's trash. But it's a book. That is not. If I had to rate these, which I know we don't, I would not rate <laughs> Invincible Shovel because you have to have a minimum bar before something becomes considered prose. <laughs> this is a 2 out of 10. It could be worse, but it is at least prose. The Invincible Shovel is not. Listen, here's here's my contradiction to that. Afterwards, Sophia tra- treated us to the legendary whooper. Honestly, it tasted kind of average, <laughs> but Lumi seemed to love it. In the end, she ate all of our portions. That's not prose. <laughs> 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 if I still had the Invincible Shovel, 
I could open it to literally any page <laughs> and read to you equivalent nonsense. Listen, give me a second. I don't want to hear the invincible shovel again. I'm grabbing it. <laughs> Fuck. Um, let's flip to a random page. Alan got to work. Using his construct power, he dug a hole around the forest while his shovel emitted a blue and white aura. The hole was about 300 feet deep and 15 feet wide. The castle walls themselves would be about 60 feet tall, preventing dark beasts from leaping over them. In addition to that, he installed a guardrail to make sure that Fio wouldn't fall into the trench. It was a surprising amount of work, but at Mach 1, it took Alan 10 holes. <laughs> Yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> to create a garden. It's equal trash. all 30 miles of the elf woods. <laughs> like I said, it's just garbage. <laughs> I love this book. Did you forget how garbage it is? <laughs> Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Ten whole minutes for 30 miles of guardrail <laughs> at Mach 1. <laughs> oh, with a shovel. With a shovel. <laughs> He's building with the shovel. He's building a guardrail. He's smelting the, the ore into metal. And forming it into a guardrail at Mach 1 speed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. My face is right, wet. So have... My face is wet. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you said all you want to say about Billionaire? No. Um, okay. I did want to go over all the different ways that situations could have been resolved more easily with the infinite resources at KG's ex dis disposal. Okay. Uh, when they go to the bar and Lumi's rejected because she's half-elf, half-succubus, and there's <clears throat> racism. Um, yeah. KG owns the business. He doesn't have to threaten to fire the guy. He can just go talk to the manager and say, hey, rules are different now. Um, yeah. you have to let this person in. Like, like that's that's the solution to that problem without threatening to fire a low-level employee and not just accepting the racism and going home. Yeah. Well, I here's here's the thing about that. If I worked, and I never would, uh, if I worked at one of Donald Trump's uh, hotels and there is a standing rule that because there probably is that homeless people couldn't come in right <laughs> and then Donald Trump happened to walk in with like a homeless person on his Which arm would never happen someone this that clearly looked reality. again <laughs> again fantasy reality never could happen um but like he walked with someone who was clearly homeless on his arm and I, I, as the guard, am supposed to not let this happen. 
there's no fucking way in hell I'm telling Mr. Donald Trump, sir, you can't have that homeless person in your hotel. Right. There is zero way in hell. The only way that could happen is if I happen to be racist against that person. <laughs> like, like genuinely, it, it would have to be me being so disgustingly prejudiced against the homeless person that I would would try to, to like, no, by your rules, I can't let them in. You know, sorry, company rules. The... the <laughs> the person who was stopping them, the guard, would have to be fired because there's no way that they weren't the one that was racist. I get it that there probably is a standing protocol that the that the world is racist and, you know, half sucky businesses can't come but in. But once he knew KG but, owned his business. <laughs> yeah. Like... <laughs> You own every level of my business. But it, you own the building, you own the menu, you own the franchise, you own the products that get sent here for us to <laughs> uh, turn them into the products. You ultimately you write own, my check. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's literally nothing s between you and me. Like, <laughs> it is you... And then there is me underneath you. There is no other person in between to stop you who might have any amount of power. No. But see, if that is the case, and the guard was the racist one, then the solution is now to fire the guard and still go into yes. the business. And their solution was, oh, well, people are racist. Let them be racist. I'm the richest person in the world. Let them be racist to my friend. Uh, I will say this is the first encounter he has had with the racist. Yeah, it's explained to him in the I mean this is a reason to explain <clears throat> yeah, this, the racism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's I could understand being in his position making the same decision at that instant. Maybe going back and firing him and changing everything, but you are a stranger in another world. Uh, racism's bad no matter what, but if it's this systemic where it's like everyone acknowledges this, then you can't just do a small change like that. Um, you, you need to make bigger changes first before you can... I, I could understand not making an immediate change because you're a newcomer to the situation. I mean, it just felt like... Coming back later and doing it, but yeah. It felt like, you know, calling back to Invincible Shovel, God King Allen gets up on the, uh, the, the <laughs> slave auction stand and he frees a single slave. Yeah. Um, that's what the, That's what this felt like. The man with the most power in the world has a situation where he can resolve things very easily in the correct way and chooses to do very little or nothing. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's what it felt like. Um, let's see. Oh, the situation with Lumi at all. 
Um, he's the most powerful, powerful person in the world. Um, the Illuminati is comically incompetent at getting to him. Um, they send this girl, Lumi, with a marriage contract with fine print that hands over the business to him if they get married. Uh, here's the solution to that is you say, hey, you know, if you marry me, you're my wife. And now you're one of the most protected and wealthy people in the world. You don't have to work for the Illuminati. Let's take that out of the contract and we just get married. I imagine that's what happens in book two. <laughs> because, yes, it is very simple. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Uh, the Illuminati will come after you if you do the wrong thing. But the Illuminati's clearly already coming after me, so... And they're incompetent. They sent you, who I found <laughs> instantly, being a non-powered billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, embarrassing. Let's see. What's the next one? Oh, the situation with Senna. Um, Senna's one business idea for the, the, um, brothel that she works at is, I think you mean a soap house. Right, I don't know. Soap land. I don't know. <laughs> soap land. Yeah. yeah there you but, go. uh, her one business idea for this soap land is, um, <clears throat> stupid and it doesn't work and nobody follows it. And KG's idea to save her job is not, I mean, the, the solution here is I'm a billionaire. I'm going to hire you in a non-committal capacity where I just pay you while you figure out what you're actually good at and then work towards that. Instead, he buys the business that she's clearly bad at and makes her the manager of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. What's the next one? Um... I mean, the situation with Maria is that you just don't have this conversation with Maria. Um, because, as we pointed out earlier, the, the contract is not legally binding in any way. And even if it was, he's a billionaire and she's a maid. So, <clears throat> who's the law going to pay attention to? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, he could retaliate against her in any way he felt like, even if he said he didn't or wasn't going to. Yeah. Um, Situation with the lesser dragon is just don't have that situation. The situation with the uh, <clears throat> the corrupt government officials should have been dealt with when he first learned about it when he met Himiko, and instead they wait until like their fifth encounter to have a conversation about this. The first time he's just like, "Oh, you got corrupt government people here. Let me hand you a few hundred million dollars, and you can figure that out." <laughs> I'm wasting most of this money. Uh, um, and then their solution is pachinko gambling in government offices to enact accountability. <laughs> when it's like the solution to this I, is fire the government people. Well, it's it's a problem of knowing what the corrupt government people are. And when you hire new ones... How do you stop them from becoming corrupt as well? Uh, it, clearly, there's not a method of accountability. So, I mean, I guess yeah. uh, I just you know we watched Realist Hero, and this plot line in Realist Hero is resolved in the first episode. Um, he found the corrupt nobles. 
he got rid of them. He's like, oh, you got this money and only this much money came out. So obviously you took this money. Goodbye, sir. Good day. Uh. <laughs> yes, but but he also is a government manager. Like, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. He understands governments top to bottom. Himiko is like a 12-year-old oh, no, girl. She's a, she's a high schooler. Or she was okay. she was a high schooler when she was summoned and it's been 3 years since then, so she's probably an adult at this point. I think she's probably still a high schooler. I don't know. The the way the way she is treated in here seems like she's she is very often referred she, to as a Joshi Kosei, which yeah another thing that tells me this was probably written by a weeaboo in texas is the fact that that wasn't just yeah translated. i <laughs> i i believe i believe entirely <laughs> you're you're not wrong there. um oh and you know what at some point there was a character from the this universe used a term that was explicitly I think it was Maria. Let me get to the chapter with Maria. Gosh. Okay. Okay, if you're looking for the milkmaiden type, then you need to change your style. Your current style will only attract gold diggers who will totally NTR you with a more handsome and younger guy yes! once you are older. Yes! I remember that! I'm like, seriously? Did you just say NTR? Right. Like, nobody says NTR. Nobody ever says NTR. That is not something that is spoken ever. Listen, Ever. I didn't even know what it meant. This prompted me to look up what Neto Rare actually meant. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. just cuckolding. Yeah. And that that's a term that would make sense here. NTR is very specifically a term from our world. And it's being spoken yeah. by Maria. Yeah, like it's it's very specifically like I could understand if she said Netorare. Because they have a weirdly weeaboo way of using specific terms like the Joshi Kosei. Joshi Yeah. But, but even then that's Keiji that's Keiji referring to her as a Joshi Kosei. That's not a a character yeah. in the book who is not from our world referring to her that way. <laughs> but yeah, like still they they have those terms so I could understand them using like okay, cool. They also speak this language and have this term. But NTR is such a just our world abbreviation yeah. bullshit. It's That was the point where I said, you're not trying. <laughs> and this was after lower or kingdom of the east, middle kingdom, and Soviet Union. This was what made me say yeah. they're not trying. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. I think you're I done think now. that was it. That was What about do you all have right. any I think you ha- you you have to be done. Do you now. have any final thoughts? Um yes. All right. So I mentioned that I hate this book for two yes. reasons. Reason number 1 is because it is a trash book. 
It is awful. It is written poorly. It uses words like NTR and <laughs> weeboo things like Joshi Kosei, and it uses bad, just like Soviet Union. What the fuck, Soviet <laughs> Union? Um, uh, the oh, what is it? The the Illuminati. Like it's so dumb. Right. Um, it also does such filth as just saying baby batter three uh, spray times. Spray that baby batter around. <laughs> Oh, it's gross. It's disgusting. The second reason why I hate it is because by the end of it, I genuinely liked KG Cross with Lumi. I <laughs> you ship KG Lumi. <laughs> I I genuinely got to the end and was like, well, fuck you. Now I care about these two characters. I should not care about these you two should. characters. Why do that you? is the. I. <laughs> I... I think they they did a little bit of redeeming the two characters towards the end. Um, the the there was definitely some badly or bad writing with the the milk maiden stuff <laughs> and 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 her going off and and fighting with Himiko and and in McDungeons and stuff. Dungeon um, King dungeon king um for those of you in the netherlands who apparently watch our or listen to our podcast or brussels that is a parody off of mcdonald's and burger king i'm pretty sure they have mcdonald's at least in brussels <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know about burger king <laughs> let us know if you have a burger king in brussels <laughs> yeah, share this with someone who goes to Burger King. In Brussels. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but I I think, like, they didn't... They, this they, they did fuck all with the characters until, like, the very end, where they, they did some character development, and uh, I guess I was engaged enough with the book at that point, uh, <laughs> hating it. Hating it, like I, 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 I recognize the fact that I, I like these characters and I do ship them, and I, I think that I, I do like how they ended up and and would be interested in seeing where they go from there. I don't want to read another book by this author. Yeah. <laughs> um. This the it it doesn't excuse how trash this book is. I mean, according to uh, um, reviews online, this book is just a rewriting of his other books. Um, just, just yeah. the other ones take place in our world, and this one is isekai to basically our world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that's why my second reason for hating it is because I like the characters at the end. Because you should not. I will say... This, this book is The trash. dad's letter I, almost I, got I, me. I, okay. I, okay. I had to be like, no, I'm... I'm not going to give a shit about this because you haven't earned it. <laughs> yeah. Like it So I, I hate it because it's a bad book, and then at the end I hated it because I liked parts of it. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you managed to like parts of it, but uh But anyways, um thanks for watching or listen I I do too much streaming, and I also don't do much streaming because I just I hate it. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, 
please, please, please share this with someone. Um, please rate and review if you are on a site that allows you to do that. I don't care what you rate it or what you review it. Even if you just do a review that says word. <laughs> it would be helpful. Word to your mother. Um, uh, <clears throat> as before, share this with someone who, who eats at Burger King. And um, just a note about the next week. Uh, it's going to be a uh, a late Halloween uh, series facts. Uh, so <laughs> just be aware beforehand. <laughs> it's not going to go through the whole what games we've played and stuff because we won't have. Um but yeah, thanks. See you next time. Don't worry, KG. Fight with all your might. I will make sure that they won't touch your baby batter factory. Shut the fuck up.